our products come in a glass jar. So we make the choice that instead of buying 100,000 plastic containers, we are buying 100,000 glass containers that can actually be refilled, not just recycled, but used over and over and over. And they'll actually last a lifetime. Through this vehicle, again, you can make significant change. And it's businesses that by making these changes and demanding these alternative ways of doing things, it's going to open it up more for more options for individuals to make easier choices and more environmental impact. Welcome to SheEO.World, a podcast about redesigning the world. I'm your host, Vicki Saunders. In each episode, you'll hear from SheEO Venture founders, women who are working on the world's to-do list. These innovative business leaders are solving some of the major challenges of our times. Sit back and prepare to be inspired. Hi, welcome Pippa and Nej. I'm so psyched to have you here today. We have the co-founders of Routine with us. I'm Pippa. Routine is a line of natural deodorants about eight years ago, and we are now in the process of expanding into other product lines of products that make you smell how you want to smell. So we are best known for our natural deodorants. We have 18 cents in the marketplace, and they are, let's say, the most effective natural deodorant that you're going to find out there. That's so amazing. And how did this whole idea come about, Nash? When I was younger, <laughs> I was a little bit of a hippie living in Nelson and I would wildcraft things and learn how to make products. And as time went by, I kind of honed my skills at doing that. And I think by the time um, I had had kids and, you know, I was looking to like restart up a career, I was like, well, what am I going to do? And everyone was like, why don't you take your deodorants to the market? You know, I didn't think that was that sexy. <laughs> Ooh, dear. But you know, I took everything I loved. I took music, I took art, I took design, I put it all into one product with all my love and like my best sense. And I made four to start out with. And I was gonna do an art market and yeah, had a little bit of problem printing the labels. And Pip and I had like just begun a newfound friendship. She was dating my husband's brother for a couple of years, and we just kind of started connecting. And she shows up and she starts helping me. She comes to the art market the next day. She hangs out, and by the end of the art market, I was like, you know, I've sold out. I think this might be something. Do you want to join forces? And she said, okay. And then the rest is history. That's amazing. I, I love stories that are just like, you weren't really trying to start a business. You were like, oh, I've got this thing I've created. And so did you, were you making these deodorants for friends before you went to market for a long time? Or how did that emerge? I've been doing a lot of things. Like um, I'd be making people natural cleaners and, you know, natural all sorts of products, but everyone was like, oh, this deodorant is changing my life. Like, you, yeah, so I'd be making it for a long time. And it was really, I had a lot of support because I think people just were like, there's nothing like this out there. Just to jump in, I was one of those users. So before she had the idea of actually taking it to the world, I was using it. And I was, I was about 23 at the time. I was fresh out of university. I actually wasn't into natural products at the time. And here I was suddenly using this natural deodorant as the first natural product was usually natural deodorants are one of the hardest to convert over. And here I was suddenly using this deodorant, having the confidence to wear this product 24 seven and never stink. And I was one of those people that was like, Nez, you have to share this with the world. It's just an incredible formula. 
It is amazing because I we found you through one of our activators. And the activators are women in the CEO network who fund these ventures. And she's a smelly one, as you guys call it. <laughs> uh, and so as I'm just like, oh my God, this stuff is amazing. Have you tried it? And I said, no. And then I tried it. And I'm like, oh my God, this works so well. So I, by the way, just have my superstar on at the moment, put it on just before our interview. Let's step back a little bit. So I love this, I, this thing about people start with an idea and then it's, you tr- take it to a market and it's almost like market testing in a way. So you're at the market and how did you decide to go from market to the next level with the business? Well, we've been sitting there like a market for, I think it was, we did two markets and we've been sitting there on the last day and we're like, you know, I don't think this is sustainable. I think that we could probably get someone else selling the product. So we packed it up, went to three local stores and two of them picked it up and that's, you know, it was right timing. There was a hole in the marketplace and it just snowballed from there. So that's kind of interesting because two, like not two years of markets, but two. <laughs> two markets. <laughs> so, so this is what I completely love. So may I guess that you're a little bit impatient with things? Is that possible? Oh, 100%. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. I, this is something that I think about a lot, which is people who are kind of like patient with, oh, this is great. We're sold out and we sold out again. You're like two markets. This isn't sustainable. Next, like <laughs> what's the next level? How did you figure out how to do this? How did you figure out how to create a business? We rolled with the flow, to be honest. It was one step at a time. Every time we would encounter something new, we would just figure out how to do it. We went into it with confidence that we can do this and we will figure it out. But there were many things that we just, we we were faking it until we made it, to be honest. And we had a lot of amazing learning curves. Like we signed with our distributor and they're like, okay, can you please send us your certificate of insurance? And we were like, yes, (laughs) ma'am. So then we're scrambling in that moment to, you know, to get our insurance because we didn't realize (laughs) that you needed to do. But honestly, you can do anything. You just have to have the confidence that you can do it and you present yourself well and roll with the flow is how we've done it. That is just awesome. I mean, that just in time is like insurance. Of course we have insurance. Right? Run back. Who do I know who sells insurance? Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it's so interesting too. And there's so much business jargon that we've learned is so unnecessary, but I don't know if it just makes people feel better. Of course we like speak the language now, but we didn't for the first like five years or like, we don't know what MSRP or whatever it is. Like I mean, that, that one's a little more valuable, but it's been really interesting, like taking a step back and getting some perspective at as to why people do things the way they do. It's been so many, like hundreds of years of people just maybe trying to make themselves feel good because they speak this weird language that is business. And now we're just, we're just speaking it in layman's terms. And that's what has kept us in the game because we're just like, okay, we just want to enjoy this and like make this normal and make this part of our life. Yeah. And I find I'm not embarrassed to stop someone and say, I'm sorry, what did you just say? (laughs) What happened? Because it happens on a daily basis. Even though we're eight years in, there's still these terms that get thrown out all the time. Don't be afraid to to ask. If you've got common sense, you can do business. (laughs) It is so interesting that you say that too, because that's exactly how I feel about CEO, which is why we have this very simple application form and we're getting rid of the jargon because it's all this made up thing to make you sound like you know more than you do. And then it can fool people, right? If you can't make it simple and say it simply. And so I have to share this funny thing that I heard about you too from your development guide, Dorothy. I saw her in Halifax recently. I said, so how, you know, how's it going with Pippa and Nej and how's their business? She said, actually, uh, they said that they don't really work in the summer. Is that okay? <laughs> and I just started laughing, but I, it made me laugh because you're both 
totally making up your own rules, which I love. It's totally on your terms. So you both have kids. Tell us a little bit of how you manage all this stuff together. Oh man, that maybe we don't usually work in the summer. It's a little bit of a stretch. I don't think I've ever worked more, but yeah, I agree. (laughs) (laughs) But it's just like the different times, like I'll be at this office till two sometimes just because we're building it out and doing a reno as well. Or like, I know Pippa will be like same thing on her laptop till two. And then like last night I had to go for dinner with a girlfriend in between the office. And I just took a nap on the couch. Amazing. I made it kind of homey. So that really helps. And then my daughter's at summer camp away. I mean, you have to kind of do what you can. And we've experimented the summer a little bit too. We went on a camping trip and we were like, okay, we are going on this camping trip with our kids. And so my Nedja's daughter, Milo is 11. So we're like, she's going to babysit our kids and we're going to get so much work done. And then once we were there, we realized we might've been a little idealistic that it was hard to work while you're camping. We got some, you know, key discussions and a lot of, um, it was kind of a little bit of like a co-founders brainstorming session that there was some really good conversations that we had, but maybe thinking that we're going to work eight hour days while camping is, you know, not so realistic. Like Nish says, we're just, you know, we're creative with our time. It's, it's not conventional. I know for me, in terms to answer your questions about balance, I, for me, because my kids are little, I'm in a totally different stage than Nej. My kids are two and four. I carve out a six hour time block where I can work as hard as I can in that time frame, so that, you know, in the morning and in the, in the late afternoon, I've got the time to spend with them. And then the thing is, I'm ba- like Nej alluded to, I'm, I'm back on my laptop at night because it's, it's a time that I can work and, and have that balance by having creative hours, essentially. So tell us a little bit about getting a distributor to get your product out to market. How did that happen? Ooh, I mean, like, we're so lucky. I feel like we've been so, I don't want to say lucky. I don't want to say blessed. These things just kind of happen organically. So we went to this, I guess it's a trade show, the CHFA, Canadian Health and Food Association, and we did a trade show and we didn't even know, like, to be honest, because we go back to that, we did not even really know we needed a distributor to get into those bigger health food stores. Because basically what happens is they don't want to deal with a whole bunch of different vendors. They'd rather work with a couple distributors and condense it. So we were there and a distributor approached us, Purity Health Life, Purity Health Products. They were like, oh, have you considered a distributor? And it was such a big decision for us looking back. Like we just like did not... We did not know if we wanted to give up percentage of our like of our income or anything, but you know they helped us grow double the year that we signed up, and it gave us access to so many more stores. So I think it, it was a great decision. It's a great partnership. Yeah, and and just just to fill in a little bit more on that, um, we went to CHFA and Nej. She's just a beautiful curator. Has a natural gift for all things creative, whether it's home decor, product, packaging, everything. And so she basically designed this amazing booth that was incredible. And at the show, we ended up winning the um, best small booth award. And so that really got us the attention of the distributor. I think that's how we landed in their laps. By investing in that booth, we really scored that relationship. And we brought my whole living room. <laughs> I was like, what are these pop-up banners people have? We just like, have wood and a <laughs> You know, actually, part of the thing, as you know, I'm a multi-time entrepreneur and I would pay so much more to like get back to the fresh eyes approach, right? Of not knowing how something's done. That's the most amazing thing to have as an entrepreneur when you just don't know how it's done, quote unquote, right? Because then yeah. you can really be fresh and differentiated. 
totally. And making do is also like a huge, was a huge part of our success. I think like we made do with what we had. I designed the first label on pages, <laughs> you know, and it just like really kept it simple and genuine. So I love making do. I used to like, when I was, before we started the business, I would take, you know, thrift store clothes and make new clothes out of them. And it was just it would really spark creativity. And then you come up with something so much better than if you could just buy it. It just leads you into leading a sustainable business, right? Because, you know, let's say you don't use some packaging or something instead of just saying, oh, here we go, throw it into this recycling system. That, that mentality is so strong that you just use things up. You're going to find a purpose for everything, even if it's decorating an entire wall with old boxes for... <laughs> or like we used to, or we would take our little cutouts from our labels and then we would use the little bird from the inside of the cutouts to put on our tiny tester jars and we would hand label those. So waste nothing. <laughs> That's fantastic. So were you doing this out of your house or you had an office? Tell us a little bit about the staging of that. We moved so many times. We started in my kitchen. Then we moved to my kitchen. Then you moved to your kitchen. And then we started doing it at an approved community kitchen. And we'd have to haul our stuff in, bring it up this like service elevator. We couldn't leave our stuff there. We'd hire off with this nursing student friends because she was in nursing school at the time as well. Ended up moving to my dad's basement and we would make it there. And then finally, at the same time as we got a distributor, we got approached by a manufacturer in the city. And we were like, no, no, we can't give it up. Like it has to have a perfect swirl on the top. And the pimple was on that leave and I'd been like piping 50,000 jars. <laughs> it was time to let go, just let go a little bit. And that was really, really hard on, you know, on many levels, but it worked out so well. And they're still making our product and it gave us the opportunity. And then, and then we moved to our last warehouse. Um, before this one, we moved out of the basement and we moved there for two years. It was a great little place. But now, and then we were like, okay, here's an opportunity. We need to move again. The lease was up. So we just signed on the 8,000 square foot facility we're in right now. And our plan is to manufacture all new products in this facility here and let um, our manufacturer continue to do the deodorants because we don't want to take business away from them. We've created a really great relationship with them and they've got their method dialed. Yeah, everything moving forward. I mean, it's like full circle. I'm just like ready to get back into that R&D room and like make new exciting things. And this is where CEO has really come into play for us because it's allowed us to just dive in headfirst and say, we are doing this. We are doing manufacturing. We are opening citizens, which we'll probably talk to later. And just dive in headfirst because we've got that backing um, and confidence and, and just knowing that people believe in us to sort of start really pursuing our next stage of dreams. So what is the vision? Tell me a little bit about where you're going. We've got kind of four pods, I guess we could call them. We've got our front offices that everyone's working in. There's like a lounge and then there's like a treetop. There's going to be desks up there. So this is the first stage is done. And then there's behind that, there's warehousing. We are also rented the bay next door. So we um, busted the walls in between the two bays. And then we put manufacturing in the back end of one bay. And then in the front end of the second bay beside the offices is what we're calling Citizens Club. So it's a venue. It's gorgeous. It's like kind of like a club speakeasy sort of feel. But um, we were talking actually with Dorothy and she really opened her eyes to this whole like citizens over consumers thing. And we were like, yes, that's what we want. That's what we've always wanted. So we're just opening up the space to people that are doing really cool things. Geo is going to have an event there. We teamed up recently with Ruben in the Dark. He's a Canadian musician that's just like taking off. And we had a meeting with him yesterday. We're doing this album release party there. It's going to be kind of a secret because you end up in this industrial area and you're like, what is this place? And you walk into this beautiful speakeasy. So it should be a really great time. We're going to keep that part of 
business analog kind of word of mouth, just like how we started and just see what happens with that. Yeah, oh, and, and then also the lab, the manufacturing space, we're going to be calling the collab and we're going to extend it to certain people within the community that are kind of struggling to find a space to make their products. Just how we, we had a problem kind of finding a space when we're on our off days and we're not making too many products, we will be renting that out to people as well. In terms of our vision for um, our existing products as well, and, and, and I guess the manufacturing, we went through a big exploratory um, thing about two months ago when we were talking with Dorothy again, our mentor. And she was really, really pushing us to explain what differentiates us, what makes you different from other people. And the reason we were having this conversation is because we had recently launched some face oils and we had launched them under a new scent name, um, sort of new products entirely. And so we were just exploring the product launch with her and discussing, you know, how we can make our next product launch as accessible, as, if not more successful. And what we discovered is that our differentiating factor is not just that we make clean products, that we make effective products. It's actually that we have 18 unique scents that we provide people with an option to smell how they want to smell. They're just incredible. And um, people can't believe that they come from a blend of essential oils. These are all formulated by Nez. She just has like a gift of a nose. <laughs> so we basically discovered that um, every single product that we launch moving forward in terms of priority is going to be around this vision of um, smelling how you want to. So we're going to have natural perfumes. We're going to have natural soaps, candles. And our vision is really just to take that smell how you want to to the next level and know that people have options. They don't need to have fragrances and harmful chemicals in order to smell good. And that's just what we're going to hone in on in our manufacturing lab. Also with the marketing, we're doing a big cinematic version of this. We're taking people that we find very inspiring, like um, one of our friends who's a beekeeper and someone who's the rock star, um, all these different people that are doing what they want and not even really telling what they're doing, just showing what they're doing in these like sort of cinematic little films. That's our new campaign. So it's like the scope is a lot bigger than it's ever been in terms of focus of the direction we're going in and actually like thank God for Dorothy. She really helped us focus in on that. Yeah. That's really good. And so for those of you who are wondering, who is this special Dorothy? Mm-hmm. At CEO, um, the ventures who are selected are matched up with a development guide. And it's someone who's sort of part advisor, mentor, therapist, coach, <laughs> like pretty much no matter what's going on in your life, there's, there's sort of help with that. I do actually want to sort of step back a little bit around, there's so many special things about what you're doing. Like this one theme when I, when I think about the two of you, I really think you just are the essence of doing things on your own terms and just trusting your gut and making it up as you go. This sort of like confidence and trust to do that. I mean, if you were giving advice to people that are out there wondering if they're doing it right, which is the number one question I get all the time, what would you say to to people that have a dream and an idea? Well, I would say, are you having fun? (laughs) Because if you're having fun, you're doing it right. That's basically what it comes down to your business and your work. I mean, it's your life. So you need to enjoy your life. And if you're making a little bit of money to support yourself and you're having a good time, there's no question that you're doing it right. Yeah. And and don't be afraid to be a little bit of a rebel. If something, if you don't want to do something, you don't have to do something. Never feel pressured that you need to. A lot of time also gets wasted in going to this meeting, going to this networking session, going to this event. There's so many things that people want you to come to, but if something doesn't feel right and you need to actually be working on your business, um, then don't be afraid to say no to certain things. It's really, really hard to, to say no though. And it becomes like something you 
that you learn a skill to say no. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you two really have that as a superpower because, you know, there's all kinds of things out there about like you have to raise money and you, there's a funding grant over here and there's a thing over there or there's a competition here where you can win a prize of cash, which I see a lot of people get distracted by and they're like funding their cash flow by that. Neither of you do any of that, right? We started out with an investment of $250 a piece and we didn't get any outside money for how many years, Papa? Like until we really needed it. <laughs> four or five years, yeah. Four or five years, yeah. Totally bootstrapped on 250 bucks each. Awesome. Yeah. Then when you, like, how did you decide that you needed more money? Because we, we outsourced our manufacturing and suddenly our cash flow gap just became this. We couldn't understand why we had no money in our bank account because our sales had never been stronger in that moment, realize what cash flow is and that we were having to upfront pay you know, six weeks in advance for manufacturing, uh, four months in advance for our glass jars. And then everyone would pay us by industry standards three months um, after they received the product. <laughs> so suddenly um, we just had this huge gap and we were basically forced to, to seek outside funding. And then we went through a huge exploratory phase. We were actually working out of District Ventures, which is Arlene Dickinson's from the Dragon's Den. It's her accelerator program. And so we were the first cohort there. So we were connected to a lot of different opportunities of what we could do for capital. And we really considered going down the investment train. We were talking to all sorts of different investors. There was a lot of um, interest expressed. Uh, but at the same time, we were also connected to um, ATB Financial, which is a local Alberta bank, and made a relationship there. And after almost going the investment route, um, our guts just told us that it was not the right time. And that was largely in part because we were seeking for funds to fund inventory, not to fund market expansion and marketing and distribution and things like that. So what we learned is that if you're funding inventory, one of the smartest moves is to try to get that bank financing. Because once you get through that hurdle, you're still going to have control. And even if you want to invest later down the road, you can use that money for the market expansion and things like that. We made a great relationship with the bank and we are so thankful for our decision to, to go debt financing. Yeah, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I would say this over and over is like, if you can afford not to raise money at capital from outside, it's the best, right? Maintaining control to do it your way is just awesome. When did you go online or were you online from the very beginning? day one. And yeah. we had another, another learning curve is that you should always apply for trademarks pretty much as soon as <laughs> uh, And we had not applied for a US trademark for routine. You know, we had been, I think about five years in, we're like, okay, uh, you know, the US is picking up, we really need to get our trademark. Turns out three months prior, another company based in the UK had filed for routine, and they had listed a deodorant. We had to um, to fight on that. But what saved us is that because we had opened up online sales, we had documented history from day one of our business that we were selling our products to the U.S. market. And because we also had proof of consistent branding where, you know, the routine logo that Nez developed, it has never changed since day one. And all of these factors allowed us to get back control of the trademark, even though they had applied first, because we could prove prior use. So yeah, that's beautiful. It was, it was a really challenging process financially, um, and it was a lot of work, but that was just sort of a good thing of opening up online sales. Is online sales really significant for you? You know what? It's actually about um, 10 to 15% of our business. We've taken a different approach where we really have focused on getting the space in the store shelves because it's, it's a noisy world out there online, and people are in stores. And actually, maybe you could even speak to the research that you had heard about the next generation coming in and how they really want to go to stores. 
Oh yeah, I went to this seminar in Vegas. I went um, just to see like what was up and coming, and it was really great. It was on. It was about Gen Z, and they were just saying how you know they're feeling a real disconnect with people in general because they're always on their devices. So this generation actually really like loves the experience of going into a store, picking something up, smelling it, looking at it, feeling it, and then they'll go and buy it online sometimes. Retail has been really our bread and butter. It kind of gives us a little bit of a validity, I think, to people because you can buy anything online, anything. But like, you know, it, you have to go through a process to be on a store shelf. So I think that's given us some credibility. But yeah, it is really interesting what's happening. Even if they're going to be going away from like storefronts and like, you know, it's more of like a warehousing thing. A lot of bigger stores are are going to be still having these storefronts without all the stock there. So you like basically you go and you try on a dress and then you go and like, you know, with your phone and buy it online, like, but people still want to try and touch and smell. So it's, yeah, it's kind of an interesting place to be at right now. Interesting. So if you're sort of stepping back and thinking about your life at this stage and where you are, what does business mean for you? What is the choice that you made to get into business? Tell us about that. For me, it's like, business is just like breathing. Like it's part of life. Like it, this, this whole thing that's routine is like on the forefront of my mind. I think it's on the forefront of Pippa's mind, but we work with family it's all kind of connected. That's what business is to me. It's just a way to live. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. And it's a way to sort of um, like showcase your passion and just, you know, instead of, you know, being at home and being scrolling on Instagram or Facebook or something, you know, your mind is always thinking on a business and how you can improve it. And so it's like she says, it's sort of a, just a way of living. And then the other side is the flexibility. That's just what I love about the entrepreneurial life is being able to, you know, so Nesh and I have kind of struggled, like we alluded to earlier about having so many meetings. And one of the things that we're looking at implementing um, is having some of these meetings that we're maybe a little resistant to have, having them out in a park where we actually go for a walk, you know, we take an hour walk and at the same time we are talking to whoever it is on the phone. So then we're balancing that self-care, making sure we're getting exercise outdoors. Um, and we can do that because of the flexibility of, you know, doing things how you want to do them essentially. And that's actually a really interesting question. I haven't thought about business for the way you just asked, but for me, business, like this routine thing is like one giant project and I love projects with a whole bunch of mini projects in between that you can finish and feel really accomplished by. It's a project. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. I mean, I, I really feel very, very similar to me. This is just, this is a way of manifesting what I'm great at in the world, what I love to do, my passion. I mean, it's a total dream to work with change makers who are out there living the dream their way. It's tough, of course, to be an entrepreneur, but the flexibility is just a massive, massive opportunity. And I do like the fact that you say it's just like breathing. It's cool we're kind of going to this world where hopefully anyway, you get a chance to really express like, why are you here? And entrepreneurship to me feels like a vehicle to allow you to take all of the amazing things that you're good at and mash them together into a project with lots of little projects. It's cool. That's so, that's so it. It's a vehicle. And with our big new campaign that we want to do, the, the beekeeper came here yesterday and she looks around and she's like, Nash, don't take this the wrong way. But like this morning I woke up and I was like, it's just fucking bees, but look where it's got me. And then she's like, and then I come here and I look around and she goes, I swear, I'm sorry. She's like, it's just fucking deodorant. But look where you're at. <laughs> it's so awesome. It's a vehicle. It's a vehicle to make your juice and be like, okay, the deodorant bought us a venue. Like what? <laughs> it's so funny. And just keep growing, right? Keep following it. And yeah. 
businesses have the power to change. That's the difference. You know, it's really hard, you know, when you're, I'm just looking at the, you know, the environmental impact and reducing plastic and all those sorts of things. As an individual, you know, you do your recycling, you do your part, but it can be really frustrating as a whole when there's not much you can do because all of the strawberries come packaged in plastic or whatever, that it just feels limited. But when you are buying hundreds of thousands of packaging materials at a time, you can make the choice. Like, so our, our products come in a glass jar. So we make the choice that instead of buying 100,000 plastic containers, we are buying 100,000 glass containers that can actually be refilled, not just recycled, but used over and over and over. And they'll actually last a lifetime through this vehicle. Again, you can make significant change. And it's businesses that by making these changes and demanding these alternative ways of doing things, it's going to open it up more for more options for individuals to make easier choices and more environmental impact. That's so good. Okay, I feel like I just want to end it here, but I do have like one other little thing around world domination. Um, <laughs> the question on like the sort of scope of, of what you want to be doing in the world, is this, are you wanting to export to countries all over the world? We have people listening from all over. And so you're both based in Canada, you're doing business in the US, but are, is your goal to be all over? Yeah, we actually have a distributor in the UAE and then one out in Denmark right now. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy how popular it is in, in Dubai <laughs> and Abu Dhabi. My girlfriend just moved back from Abu Dhabi and she's like, I would just go do yoga and nurse routine. And it's like kind of funny. Really? That's cool. Yeah. And how did that happen? Do you know? They approached us. Yeah. Um, it works closely with that distributor. I mean, we feel, we kind of feel like things that are easy, if they happen for, like, if they happen easily and it was meant to be, some things when they take too long or they're, you know, it's just hard and it's that gut feeling, you know, move along. So, so we don't push too hard for people. It's really hard to say, Hey, you know, this is great deodorant. We promise it works. It's more like when someone else has tried it and it's the word of mouth and I'm like, I feel this is so great. And now I've tried it. I love it. It's changed my life. Then they're very passionate about it and they do the work is done. So that's, that's kind of like the premise of our business. We don't push it. We kind of let it happen. <laughs> That's yeah. beautiful because that's what we say too, which is follow the energy. Yeah. Um, so when things come at easily, I mean, we go to different countries with CEO based on people in those communities reaching out and saying, we really want this, right? And that's how you do it. But if you had to actually push this out, like the old business model, go yeah. set up an office and push all this stuff at people. And it's hard and it costs a lot of money to do that. But yes. the bottom up stuff is so much more fun. And it's a real thing. Like it's, it's a true thing, like the energy. It's just as real as like the jar of deodorant. <laughs> And if we were to throw energy, any energy out there, the next sort of market that we see would be really beneficial for us, and it actually aligns with CEO, is that Australian, New Zealand market. You know, it's hot. Our deodorant can stand up to those temperatures. So we're sort of throwing some energy out there of just energy to see if something comes back for, in, in terms of world domination. Let's see. All right. There you go. <laughs> Ladies in Australia, New Zealand, guys, anyone who's listening to this, reach out to Routine. And how can they reach you, guys? easiestroutinecream.com. Go to our website and we all have access to the, the general email on there. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much for sharing your story with others. I'm sure it'll inspire many. We're so grateful for you having us. Thank you so much, Ricky. You're doing amazing things. We're like just in awe of you. <laughs> thank you, ladies. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to the CEO.world podcast. If this conversation resonated with you, please share it with a friend and subscribe on your favorite podcast player. If you'd like more information about SHEEO, please visit us at SHEEO.world. That's S-H-E-E-O dot world.